Welcome, brave traveler, to Salandrian, a city steeped in murder, mystery, and madness. Stagnation and complacency have run rampant, and something monstrous churns behind the dark. A group of private investigators are the only thing that stands in the way of injustice and despair. Let us join them now for another exciting episode of The Beholder's Eye! One, two, one, two, three, four. Skolt just went in the back to get his brother. Boris is personally looking a little bit agitated. He's a little bit agitated, and he wants... He's trying to convey he's not totally sure whether starting a fight with bugbears in someone else's shop is the best approach to the situation. Yeah, Maisel's definitely not on board either. I think she looks over to, to Tandy, and I guess we'll make, like, one try to convince to, to stop this. Okay. Um... <clears throat> Listen, I've, I've been in this business, for better or worse, for most of my life, and, and Tandy, you and I, we're not like other people. We live on, on a different world, so join the guild, pay your dues, follow the rules, and we can be done with this feud. Well, I, I don't know. Go ahead and uh, make me a persuasion roll. <laughs> uh, I rolled a 30. That was a nat 20. Holy wow. shit. <laughs> <laughs> Tandy looks at the three of you and they, uh... <laughs> we, all jo- we all join the guild. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking how much it costs to, to join. Yes. See. <laughs> I have 100 gold. <laughs> now, it, yeah, it might be worth it that I'm trying to convince the wrong person. I'll hand, I'll hand in my illusionary badge, if you like. <laughs> the, uh, they look between the three of you and they say, I'll tell you what, I'll help you out. I... I don't think you can avoid this because, <laughs> Maisel, I, I know what you're here for, and we should give it back. It is your property. I, we were all just so angry at you turning us in to the guild. We just want to we wanna be able to do our own thing. We don't want to be beholden to the guild. So just don't, don't hurt the boys too badly, okay? I'm going to let you in the back, and you can surprise them, all right? Well, rowdy boys are going to be rowdy. Y'all too kind. They've been itching for a fight. So why don't you go get the drop on them while they're they're preparing themselves? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's better than nothing, right? Yeah, Maisel's good for hiding. You really are someone that really cares about family. So why don't the three of you make me a stealth check? And you guys can kind of sneak down. What's just so, happened? Tandy's just allowed us to go in the back room and attack her boys. He's got a nat 20 on <laughs> persuasion. Like, Come and punch my kids. <laughs> yeah, please come punch my son. Surprise them, though. Don't give them a fair shot, even. <laughs> Offer a hood it. over their heads. Uh, oof. I rolled an 11. I rolled an 11 as well. I rolled a 19. <laughs> So the three of you make your way to the back half of this store, and as you push through the curtain, you see kind of a, a storage area where some extra items are being held, and there is a trap door in the back of the room that is open, and you can see a ladder that goes down into a somewhat lit basement. You hear a few voices softly coming from inside, and as the three of you prepare to, to go down this ladder, Boris, you turn to the other two and go, shh, 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 <laughs> guys, because oh, they're making a oh, little bit more noise than you okay. are, but the three of you are able to sneak down this ladder pretty quiet. well, especially with Boris's help, and as the three of you get to the bottom of this ladder, you see that the basement of this building is bigger than the building itself. It's all one room, though. At the far end of the room, 
there seems to be kind of a couple of haphazard bedrooms set up with paper dividers, basically. Kind of paper and wood dividers in between a couple areas where there's different beds. And you see four bugbears that are all much shorter than average bugbears. They seem to have much larger heads in a way. Are they too. smarter than the average bugbear? They are <laughs> smarter than the average bugbear. <laughs> they're, they're all in various stages of putting on their leather armors and uh, getting ready to so fight. So we just got the drop on a bunch of nude bugbears. Uh, they're in various stages of dress <laughs> uh Skolt was fully dressed but he's he it looks he's like the other three off. have woken up just recently basically so he four bugbears i'm actually i'm thrown for a bit of a loop because i thought that for sure there would be three like i just thought the rowdy boys would be three i don't know oh. why the fourth one is totally throw me so surprised yeah. all right well it's guitar bass drums and then they have a keyboardist too that only tours with them yeah cool <laughs> Let's attack the keyboardist first. <laughs> As the three of you are kind of looking around the room for a second while you still have a moment before you need to do anything, why don't all three of you make me a perception check? 18. 6. 13. Chirp, you don't really notice anything much about the room. You notice that there's in, in a corner nearby, uh, about 10 feet away from the entrance into this basement, there are a couple of crates with a few weapons stacked on top. Boris, you also noticed this, but you noticed that one of these weapons looks much fancier and almost looks to be made of like pure silver. Maisel, you look around and you see your sister lying motionless in the corner of the room. So I'm going to give all three of you a moment to, you can kind of, figure out who wants to go first, but you'll get kind of in a surprise round, free action. I'm going for those for weapons. A uh, I also am going for the weapons. Hmm. I am just going to cast Blade Ward on myself. Maisel and Chirp, as the two of you make your way over to this the corner of this room where these weapons are kind of piled up, you hear from the other end of the room, Skult, has kind of turned around and noticed the three of you and he says, Oh, boys, pull your pants up. Let's get going. Oh, no. And you've got another few seconds as, as the the other three start to, you know, rapidly get themselves Can fully see dressed. see these and, weapons are now? And ready. Chirp, as you walk up, you see that there are a couple of long swords, a hand axe, a small crossbow, and what appears to be a very ornate rapier sitting kind of on top of all of them. I grabbed the rapier. As you grab the rapier, you hear a voice in your head say, put me down. Not a chance. Well, at least hand me to my sister. Your sister? I'd listen to her. Okay. I set it down. You set the rapier. But I'm going to stand here and guard uh, these weapons because I don't want any of the bugbears to come and get them. Maisel, you... Pick this sword up, and you hear the familiar voice of your sister Audrey in your head. <laughs> and she says, well, it's about damn time. Hmm, it's one way to keep the weight off, I suppose. Well, these filthy boys have been manhandling me all week. You had to bring people with you, did you? You couldn't handle these little ruffians by yourself? Oh, it looks like you're doing much better yourself, hmm? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, hmm you know I don't have much autonomy outside of you. It's okay, though. I love you. It's all right. We'll talk about it later. Why don't you use me to stab some of these boys? That would be fun, wouldn't it? Now that's a plan I can get behind. So, yes. Now, uh, Maisel, you've been reunited with your sister, Audrey. Boris, you don't... You're still about 10 feet away. You don't... You really only hear Maisel's side of this conversation. <laughs> Chirp, you're able, you're close enough that you you hear Maisel's side and you hear Audrey's side, but Audrey's side sounds like it's she's uh, down a long hallway from you. Basically. Yeah, I'm so super very excited fit. about all of this. I have a huge... The two of you standing in front of these weapons notice that 
these three bugbears are starting to advance on you, and I'm going to need everybody to roll initiative. 22. 14. Uh, I've got a 10. Sure. Your first act. Uh, you've got these four bugbears advancing on you. They're about 20 feet away. I just shoot the closest one with my short bow. Okay. You've got advantage since you're within five feet of Maisel. 26. So the closest one to you is Skult. You let your short bow bolt loose. Where are you aiming for? The head. Okay. Of course. That's for eight. You are aiming for his head, and he kind of sees you raise the short bow and has enough time to try to dodge out of the way a little bit, but you still catch him through his neck, just just at the edge, not anything fatal. Uh, but now he's kind of got a neck piercing, and he kind of looks down. And he's like, oh, sweet. This will look cool later. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to do anything else? That's all I can do. I, okay. I, I, I um, well, yeah, and they're not immediately at you. So Boris. Uh, Boris is... Well, what what do bugbears like to eat generally? Uh, raw meat. Yeah. So Boris is going to make minor illusion okay. to the side of the bugbears furthest away, within say ten feet. Okay. Just within their eye line. Okay. Of the four bugbears, and the minor illusion is going to be a picnic basket. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything in the picnic basket? Uh, there's. It looks like there might be some nice bugbear kind of treat meat there. And maybe a chocolate bar. You Okay. You cast Minor Illusion, and Skult and the bugbear nearest him don't even take a second glance at this thing that you've conjured. But the other two bugbears following up behind turn and look at it, and one of them looks at it for a moment and goes, I, I don't know if that's real. And the other one goes, yum! And immediately <laughs> runs over and starts to go for the picnic basket. <laughs> and as he does, the other three bugbears go, turn and look and go, Jeff, no! <laughs> <laughs> and now it's Maisel's turn. Um, okay, how far did you say uh, Skolt was? Uh, he's about 15 feet away now. But he's he's actually okay. got his back to you now because he's looking in the other direction at Jeff running for the picnic basket. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I am going to not use Audrey. I'm going to shoot him uh, in the back of the leg with a crossbow. Okay. I rolled an 18. That'll hit. That's a four. You aim your crossbow at the back of his leg, and as you're aiming, you hear Audrey say, Oh, well, okay, just just shoot him then, I guess. And this throws you off just a, just a little bit. You still hit him. It hits him right in the back of the leg, but it, it doesn't go in very far. And he lets out a small cry and starts to turn back towards you. And now, or was there anything else you were going to do? Uh, I want a cunning action to hide behind the crate of weapons. Okay. Uh, make a stealth check. Uh, that's a 10. All right. Yeah, you you duck behind the crates of weapons and you feel like you've done a pretty good job of hiding yourself, but uh, the back of your coat is sticking out from around one of the corners of the crates. <laughs> <laughs> so now it is the bugbear's turn. Oh, you know what? I just realized both of you should have done more damage than you did. Uh, you b should have both gotten sneak attack. I got nine. Nine. Twelve. Do we have to kill these rowdy boys? I mean, do we? Ha can we just? You don't have to. Uh, do you I have feel feelings? I don't want to kill. I don't want to kill the rowdy boys. I feel like it's pretty harsh. Their their mother or up person upstairs gave a sneak attack. Like uh, you know, they're obviously protecting their home. We've come down into their house. You know. Yeah, I did kind of make a deal with they, her too. <laughs> they're gonna beat the, and then we're just gonna kill them. You don't have to. It's I'll their stop turn. Stop shooting them in the head, okay? Stop. Yeah. Chip's trying to shoot him with arrows in the head. It's, it's <laughs> habit. I'm, I'm sorry. Die, As little boy. We were discussing whether or not to kill these bugbears from I don't know how I'm conveying right that. in front of them. I mean, that was meta in uh, it. Yeah, that was meta in it. I don't really know how to, know. How to convey it in game. How would I, I'm how would I convey that? Oh, <laughs> well, guys, uh, maybe we can just tie, tie the smarter than average bugbears up. Well, it's their turn. Mm. So they're gonna. Uh, we can have that discussion while they're attacking no, us. We'll we'll see how this goes, yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Jeff, <laughs> the the bugbear that they've identified as Jeff has made his way over to this fake picnic basket. As he goes to pick it up, 
nothing happens because it's a minor illusion and you can't mm. interact with it. <laughs> mm. uh, so his head just kind of phases through the picnic bed. He's like, hey, hey. Every time he swipes for it, just hey. Can Boris just interject? I know he's not supposed to. But yeah. <laughs> and just be like, no, if you keep swiping it, it eventually fully materializes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He keeps swiping at keep it. Keep swiping, Jeff. He actually keep swiping, whole, Jeff. <laughs> he actually spends his whole turn swiping at this thing. <laughs> As two of his brothers grab him Don't from up, behind Jeff. and st- start to drag him off. His two brothers are able to, to fully drag him off and actually hold him down because now he's like, but I wanted the picnic basket. <laughs> the other two are like, no, no, it's not real, Jeff. It's not real. And as this is happening, Skull kind of takes a survey of the situation and with pulls the the bolts out of his leg and his neck, and he says, "I I think you might have us outclassed here." <laughs> oh, do you really think so? You can take your sister and go. Just don't kill us, okay? My brothers are important to me. And I uh, I stand up from behind the crate and go, I was here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Skull says, yes, I know. <laughs> it's okay, though. <laughs> just just don't, don't tell the guild or the guards about this. I'm sorry we stole your sister from you. We were just so mad that you, you told the guild what we were doing. We don't, we don't really agree with the guild and a lot of their practices they they don't worry about the little guy sometimes and that's that's what we're about um and i want to throw audrey towards him not to like hurt him just so she can give him a piece of her mind so i i do that he's able to catch audrey and as he does he hears her it's okay (laughs) i i understand now just go ahead and I'm going to need you to grab my blade. I know this sounds weird. I know this sounds really weird, but just go ahead and grab my blade with one hand. And he says, what? Oh, okay. And he, he kind of puts his hand around one blade and he says, she says, okay, now go ahead and run your hand down the blade really quick. Just don't worry. It's going to be fine. Just, I'm a magical weapon. Remember that. He says, okay. And as he does, she cuts deep into the palm of his hand and he goes, oh, what the fuck? And she goes, ha! Ha! Steal me again, bitch! (laughs) Give me back to my sister. (laughs) Uh, Boris Uh, is uh, just turned around. He thinks just largely this scene's, you know, playing out. So he's uh, he's turned around to the side. He's he's got a, you know, his bag. He's just ruffling through his bag. He's been carrying a little bit. He's got a little bag, so... Uh, um, <clears throat> make me a investigation check if you're gonna start rifling through shit. Here's my bag. I mean, oh wait, oh sorry. I know I'm a bit stupid, but <laughs> sorry. No, I mean fair play. I mean it's probably a fifty-fifty with Boris. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. Uh, that wasn't good. <laughs> Where is my bag? <laughs> I just ruined that one. <laughs> Uh, I throw my bag across the room. That was a good misunderstanding. <laughs> and then wonder where it is. <laughs> the uh, I look hard in confusion. I'm like, what just happened? I'm assuming you've dropped your minor illusion at this point. Yeah, but what I was, yeah, I was going for the cold meats that were in my bag. Ah, I okay. was gonna, yeah, you're gonna offer but them. But now there okay. is no, ba- there is no bag. It's well, not the bag you're, you're looking bag for. Across the room, and as you did, Jeff got a whiff of it. <laughs> And overpowers his two brothers and runs over to your bag and starts digging through it and he pulls the cold cuts out and just starts woofing them down. Yeah. And as he does, uh, the other two brothers... uh, I'm suddenly like... Yeah. They pick themselves up off the floor. (laughs) And... uh, Am I wearing trousers today? Oh, by the way, at this point, uh, (laughs) Skull just drops Audrey and starts backing away and he's like... Could you, could you guys just get out of here? You've done us enough harm, please. Me and my my brothers, they, we we don't want any more trouble for you. But if if you could, there's there there is something. Could you tell 
Tandy that we bested you and just hide your sister on the way out um or well I guess no she's gonna know we don't have her anymore you can tell her that we gave her back to you out of the goodness of our own hearts how's that you tell her we kicked your butts and and gave her back because we felt bad for you well Boris actually has a solution here um these sisters look kind of alike right so uh, then there's, um... Well, one of them is a sword, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can see how you get confused. <laughs> Fair play, my plan wasn't going to work great. Big <laughs> stat. That's what happens when you roll it. That's what happens when you roll it that one. I about it at first, too. Maisel, I'm assuming at this point you've retrieved Audrey. Yeah, I'm holding her and I'm just getting sort of standing, waiting to see what Boris's plan was going to be. Well, uh, while you're waiting there, she, she Does says Does anyone else you, have a sword? Will you hand me to the dwarf? Yes, of course. And I do that. Boris, as you, as, well, as do, Maisel hands the sword an, to you. I do have an old warhammer. Do you think they would, Tardy would mistake a warhammer from a sword? Uh, Maisel hands the sword to you and as, as you take it into your head, you hear this voice in your head, and she says, Do not overthink this. It's gonna be okay. The nice little bugbear guy. Boris is currently stood solid still, scared shitless. <laughs> staring forward. It's okay, dear. It's okay, dear. The nice bugbear gave us a good alibi. You just have to tell Tandy that he kicked your butt, okay? Okay. Well, I was thinking we would just run back through the shop really, really fast, going ah, and then that Tandy, works too. Why don't you do that with that? you, Boris? Yeah. <laughs> Flashing your badge. Yes. Uh, you hand Audrey oh back to Maisel. Use, use the badge to blind them, chirp. Use the badge to blind them. And Maisel, Audrey, as as Audrey gets back to into your possession, she says, "Well, these." These two are real winners, huh? <laughs> Top quality work. You're gonna have to thank Aldalar for this one. <laughs> he pays me! <laughs> the other option is we could just knock out Tardy, and then when she comes around, the bugbears could say, You lost the girl! <laughs> or the sword! Boris, just, just keep riding, Boris. Just keep riding. Welcome, loyal listener, to Inside the Player's Studio with your host and Dungeon Master, Andrew. Hi, everybody. It's your DM, Andrew. I'm back again with Bill Hinderman. Hello. Also known as Maisel Fisk. I really hope everybody is enjoying how it went because I know we definitely did. Bill, we're just going to jump right back into it. What, yeah. What inspired you to play the character that you played today? So when you reached out um, on Facebook, uh, I was in just, you know how you'd get lost in YouTube for a while? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, when, when you reached out and you know, said to, to start making a character, uh, for who knows what reason, I was watching interviews with old movie stars. Um, oh, okay. And so I sort of built this character around thinking about how cool would it be to have uh, essentially Catherine Hepburn. Yeah. Um, living okay. in this world. I love uh, So it sort of stemmed out of that just like oh. waspy transatlantic accent, like rich, rich uh, outside of the like outside of the um, I think the, the darker realm that you've created and the more gritty world. Like yeah. how would somebody that has sort of ensconced themselves uh, from that world uh, exist within and exist with with the characters that you guys um, you've created? So that was sort of the, the, the impetus. Um, then going into, it was actually, it was a challenge to figure out what um, what class she was going to be. Yeah. Uh, only because I didn't really consider her being good or even competent in, in combat. So like, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I sort of picked one where health would be low and like she'd be able to hide well, but not really know what she was doing. Um, well, and uh, being it, tied into the, you know, the kind of underworld and smuggling and thieving, you know, right? she's got to be able to defend herself a little bit, but. But I, only a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you sent me the character idea, it was just like. This is amazing. I love this. <laughs> it's, it, that's the other great thing about having guests on is getting to see what somebody who is not so super invested in our lore wants to play in our world. Is yeah, and it, yeah. It's oh, it's been fantastic. And uh, the oh man, um, when this episode goes up, I'm gonna when I put the Twitter post up about it, I'm going to put in some of the pictures that you sent me for her fashion. Because, oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, Maisel is a fucking fashion icon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a fun way to spend an afternoon. <laughs> so a uh, couple of fun questions here. If you were yeah. a rogue, what would be your archetype? What kind of rogue would you be? So I think I would be a swashbuckler. Um, nice. And yeah, in the like early Pirates of the Caribbean movies, uh, <laughs> Captain Jack Sparrow, like wandering around, maybe drunk, maybe just zany. Yeah. Um, Cause that, that's shockingly close to like my actual way that I talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think like I, 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 if I were rogue, I wouldn't be like hiding and sneaking and that. I'd be like the, the sort of like hide in plain sight by just having nobody assume that you're doing anything nefarious exactly exactly that's <laughs> that's something that uh i know a lot of people don't necessarily play with that archetype and uh it's one of those things when going to make characters that i've always looked at it's like you get to play that so brazen so in your yeah. face no it's a totally different character from like the typical like dark brooding silent rogue yeah yeah and that's something that i love about D D is like especially the way they've built some of the character classes and archetypes that y especially like bards and things like that you, you don't have to necessarily play a lute or a flute you right. can you can use straight up insults you can beatbox <laughs> you can just be an insult you could be a comic and just tell stand-up jokes and have that be because it's all about the sound and then like with rogues it's it's not necessarily about hiding it's about being sneaky and right, deceptive right. and you can play that in so many different ways well and that yeah that that plays into how i like to um play D, &D anyway which is I'm not that excited by like long drawn out drawn out battles. So like the more that the story can exist within telling a story instead of like although it it, it seems counterintuitive, but instead of a bunch of dice rolls and yeah. um you know going through initiative, I think that those types of characters um always I don't know, speak to me a bit more because you can just do a lot more of that at to, to the detriment that like you'll probably die in a real battle. <laughs> exactly. That's it's more compelling. And it's it's part of why when when I have people do their character generation and this is just kind of a general rule, I've always liked forcing people to use at least one eight because that gives you yeah. it's yeah. more realistic. Your character is not going to be even though they're an adventurer. They're not going to be. You have to be bad at something. Super good at everything. Exactly. You're going to have a weakness, and playing into that weakness gives you much more interesting character moments. Yeah. Um. So okay. So we've come to my favorite question. Uh, what is your favorite spell in D and D? Okay. So I had to think about this for a really long time and read through a lot of them That's to try to. Uh, convince myself away from my initial gut reaction. That's why I love this uh, and I, question. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't do it. I had to stay with my gut reaction, which is prestidigitation, because nice. all it is is do a little magic trick. Yeah. Right? Like, in, in the, this world of, like, you can summon meteors and, you know, switch between planes and, like, actual, like, real magic stuff... I love that there's also a spell that you can do that's just, like, the equivalent of a card trick. Yeah. Or, if you want, doing a card trick. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I think, like, it's, it's again, it's it's so valuable 
in story. It's, I mean, it's useless in like combat, but it's again so valuable in storytelling exactly. when you can just like whip that out as part of a conversation. Exactly, um, and that's that's what I love about asking people this question is is you tend to get a feel for what they love about the game of uh, is it the the game side of it or the story side of it because yeah yeah th- there's and wizards of the coast was brilliant in how they set up the spells in where you have spells like that that are literally only useful for story beats for right and free to use so you're not uh you're not uh, hindered from using them as much as possible for those story beats exactly exactly and it's uh i'm good as a very good pick top (laughs) top shelf (laughs) hey thanks all right, so um, we're going to have to wrap up now, but uh, where sure. can people find you on social media? Uh, yeah, social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at Bill Hinderman, B-I-L-L-H-I-N-D-E-R-M-A-N. All right, awesome. And are there any uh, projects of your own or uh, media or other projects that you know of that you want to promote? Absolutely. So I actually have a podcast hosting and syndication and analytics and dynamic content stitching platform called Shortwave. Uh, You can check that out at www.goshortwave.com. Awesome. Awesome. Um, We're actually kind of getting tired of SoundCloud and looking at my Noah guy there. So, uh, but... All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for playing with us. We had a thank you fantastic time, and we really hope that you'll come back and play with us again. Absolutely. All right. Uh, thank you, listener, for joining us, and we're gonna go ahead and let you get back to the action. All right. Bye. And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey everybody, it's your DM Andrew. This episode of The Beholder's Eye is sponsored by Shortwave. Shortwave is a podcast hosting, syndication, analytics, and dynamic content stitching platform built on the belief that professional-level podcasting tools should be available to everyone, not just professionals. Like us. We actually use Shortwave, and we've had nothing but a great experience so far. We used to be hosted on um, a service that shall not be named. Let's just call them Audio Cumulus. And while it worked for what it was, it didn't exactly have the wide range of tools that Shortwave does. Shortwave features unlimited upload and download bandwidth, a one-click import tool from any other hosting platform, show and episode-level listener analytics, plus two free hours of dynamic content stitching that helps you build your episodes from multiple clips all in the browser. Go to www.goshortwave.com. That's G-O-S-H-O-R-T-W-A-V-E.com to start your free 14-day trial of hosting. Shortwave, the platform for adaptive podcasting. As the three of you climb back up this ladder, uh, the four bugbears are kind of grouping around the end of the ladder to to say their goodbyes, and all four of them are like, "Boris, okay, nearly, bye now. Don't Boris don't tell forgets anyone his bag. about this, okay?" He nearly, he nearly forgets his bag, but he runs back and grabs it. <laughs> uh, Jeff hands it up. No, no. Mine as you're is on the this, meat. Uh, as you're and he goes, there, "You don't like cheese." Jeff hands it back up to you, and uh, everything's there except for the meat. Uh, Thanks, but Jeff. it is a bit damp from slobber. Great. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks uh, for that, Jeff. As the three Look forward you... to seeing you guys play next week. <laughs> as the three of you get back up into Tandy's shop, uh, Tandy turns around as you're coming through the curtain and she says, Oh, what happened? Does Jeff play the keyboard? What? They're thieves, m- my good sir, they're not bards. They don't play any instruments. 
Well, they definitely bested us, so we better run away right now. I ran. <laughs> ah! Uh, Maisel Maisel just sort of nods and walks out slowly because she feels like it's probably fine. Boris is running still way down the street with his hands in the air going, We were so bested! We were so bested! (laughs) They never wanted me here. Uh, Actually, no. Maisel pulls out a piece of chalk and uh, and writes like a guild protection symbol uh, on the doorway. Like, all right, uh, we owe you one now for... I guess letting us not have to really have that much of a battle. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so looking forward to it in a few few episodes time where Tandy and the Rowdy Boys play live at a festival. Uh, so Maisel, you will be got... right up front. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's definitely going to come back. Um... Bested, bested, bested. <laughs> Maisel, you know, well, you, God, you guys threw me off. (laughs) Maisel, you have a bit of a safe house in the city um, for your own personal use. And that is where you keep a lot of the things that you are delivering within the city. And Mm -hmm. you lead the two of them back there. uh, But you know that entering into your safe house, there's an enchantment. Uh, on the entryway that when a person leaves, they can't remember how to get back there if they don't have a pendant, basically, and it's the pendant that you wear. So uh, the two of you aren't... Well, boy, that's convenient. (laughs) It's another fine service that the Thieves Guild provides. Uh, But yeah, the two of you don't realize this or quite understand that this might be a thing while you know it happens how do you join the thieves guild be a thief is that really what it is (laughs) basically (laughs) like become a good enough thief that the thieves guild is like hey we see what you're doing okay come on over here as the three of you get back to mazel's safe house though and enter into the room boris and chirp you feel that familiar gut-wrenching reality warping feeling. Oh no. This not is something again. new for you, Maisel. <laughs> you've never really f- Am I coming too? Yeah, well, you've never really <laughs> felt this before. Uh, the f- you felt something very 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 similar to this but very mild when this crate that Aldalar wanted came into your possession. Uh, but it, it went away immediately and was just a fleeting feeling and you, you paid no mind to it. But now you feel like a tingling at the base of your neck and your understanding of reality starts to waver. <laughs> it's one of the best ways I've come up with describing it. And as this is happening, I'm going to need everybody to roll just a d20. I rolled an 11. Uh, I rolled a 9. Oh, crit 1. That don't bode good. I'm going to need you to roll a d10,000. 8,411. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay, so this doesn't just affect you, Chirp. Okay. This affects anyone wearing boots within 60 yards of this safe house. Their boots now resemble ridiculous clown feet. <laughs> so, okay. Maisel, I'm assuming you're wearing. Yeah, you're Everybody wearing boots. So, your boots like now, now resemble ridiculous clown I'm feet. I'm wearing boots. Uh, <laughs> Chirp has ridiculous clown feet on. You hear no- like voices from outside of people <laughs> laughing, and you hear like people running around, and you hear like that, that horn noise. <laughs> As the three of you look down and see these ridiculous clown feet that that feeling of reality warping goes away and <laughs> Boris is like I giggle and look at their feet. Boris is like this is why I don't bowl regularly <laughs> <laughs> but as the three of you start to move around you notice that every time you step down your feet make different weird funny noises just like like honks and whistles <laughs> and things oh, like that oh that one was kind of enjoyable <laughs> 
This is like this is really upsetting for Maisel because she's not like the typical like hide in the rafters rogue. She's like hide in high society with fancy shit to blend in. So this is like well, real rough. None of us know if this is permanent. <laughs> yeah. So it's just uh, my, like... my, I notice when I look closely that my clown shoes actually say "made by gnomes" on them. <laughs> yeah, uh, Maisel. <laughs> With Audrey at your hip, you could hear her very clearly, but the other two actually hear her pretty well as, as well because she is laughing, just cackling at the top of her lungs <laughs> at this, like, especially at you, Maisel. She's just like, ha ha, ah, look, look at him, look, listen to it, oh, it's <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> For Boris, this is just like the old days. <laughs> <laughs> this takes me back to my childhood. Yeah, and Maisel, like, can't even come up with a comeback. She's just really uncomfortable. So, Maisel, you quickly transfer ownership of this crate to these two detectives and usher them out of your safe house. And it's like, this this whole situation has been a bit weird at this point. As you're doing this, and they they leave the, the threshold of your house, and they both kind of have this moment of like, wait, where were we? Oh, we got to get back. You you see them walk down the street, and as Chirp gets about 60 yards away, the clown, ridiculous clown shoes on your feet disappear, and they go back to your normal boots. And you notice that everybody in the street outside of your, your safe house, their clown shoes disappear as well. As as the further and further Chirp gets away from them, it's it seems like a wave just following her. <laughs> Uh, Maisel, you have a moment alone now with Audrey, and she she says, oh, thank, thank you so much for finally getting me back. But you do know that we're going to have to help them again. Those those type of people don't just come into our life for nothing. I'll keep up with Aldalar. They, I'm sure they'll be around. I think... I think they might be able to help me specifically. And why do you say that? Well, my condition affords me certain connections. We've never really talked about this before. It's kind of odd. Oh, you're not one for tears. You know, my body's gone, and I thought that maybe it came in with me, but now I realize part of the reason why the spell that put me in here was so permanent is that my body was destroyed upon transfer, and I'm gonna need a new body, a, a dead body. Do you understand? So far. Well, something though that, uh, it's gotta be freely given. The person has to agree to let me have their body before they die. Does, and that's not gonna be easy, but I, I think that might be what these uh, these detectives can help us with. They, their firm might be able to find us someone willing to make this this happen. Do you under Do you understand? That's a, a big thing to ask. I thought you meant you wanted to be a bird person or a drunken gnome. Well, neither of those would be preferable. But outside of the matter in this, Boris yeah. is totally cool if a drunken gnome is involved. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Chirp and Barry, you make your way back to the Beholder's Eye, carrying this crate in between the two of you. It's not a very large crate, but it's too heavy for either of you We're to carry it small. by yourself. Yeah, you're both pretty small. I but am also... actually, at least, I'm quite big for the dwarf. I am four foot nine. Oh, I'm four nine too. Oh wow! I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Twinsies. <laughs> We're going to be at the perfect height for doing high fives. Yeah. 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 Look at the elbow. You'll never miss. You teach Boris the ancient trick of looking at the elbow. Focus on the badge. (laughs) (laughs) But as the two of you are making your way back to the beholder's eye, you notice that everyone within a 60 yard radius of you as you're traveling gets and yeah. then loses their clown shoes. We are pointing and laughing all the way. Yeah. Well, and people are pointing and laughing at you and then seeing yeah. what's happening to them and them laughing. And at at this point, this kind of weird shit's been going on for a few weeks now and people are starting to get used to it in some ways. <laughs> if that's the thing. Because a lot of it is innocuous and goes away rather quickly. Yeah. 
some things tend to be permanent, but don't tend to be too harmful. But every now and then, there's been something bad that's happened, but it's it's been kept pretty quiet at this point. As the two of you come back to the Beholder's Eye, you come in and that, that very tall elven man is gone, but Aldalar and Penny are sitting in the reception area, and as soon as you walk through the door, it's only been a couple of hours, Aldalar's like, Oh, that was fast! You guys did that well! I told you, Penny, I said we'll be straight back, no problems. Penny is like, And I said you were our best detectives, didn't I? You proved me right. I look at Chirp, and I, I, I look at her, and I, I nod, and I say, I would concur with this assessment. I stand up very tall and puff up my feathers. So the secret to this whole detective agency, you're all just like blessed with divine luck. <laughs> yes, I know. I've noticed. Aldo says, okay, good, good. Uh, bring the crate back to my office. I'm going to need you guys to help me open it, actually. Okay, are you, you ready? Ooh, yeah. What's in there? Is it shiny? Possibly. Like I said before, I don't actually know. Oh. <laughs> I just know it might hurt us if we open it. So let's go open it. Before we do, can I just ask? Yes. If you were to die, Aldalar, in the next moment, based yes. on the fact you're guessing this is booby-trapped, but I you don't, don't know exactly going. how Should we be opening this inside? No, I was just wondering if I could have your book, the big book on your desk, or any subsequent volumes that oh. were called Weird Shit. And yeah. If there's any, sp- you can have my books. That's fine. Because for my studies, I mean, Penny. There might be a good spell in there. Yeah, you can have what she doesn't want. Don't worry, Chip. Pendulin, if Eldalil dies, can I have the book that says weird shit, please? Yes. Okay. Maybe you'll have to talk to Penny, but I'm not gonna die. Don't worry about that. I was that. just talking. I was just talking to Penny. Penny, <laughs> if Eldalil dies right now, can I have the book that says weird shit, please? We'll talk about it. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> The two of you carry I've learned this. that that's a no, by the way. Oh, I know. They think they're savvy, but they're not that savvy. That's what grown-ups always say. And as you're bringing it into Aldalar's office, Aldalar turns to you, Chirp, and he says, Look, I've got a few secret magical wards on my office to uh, keep anything bad from happening to it from the outside. You but know they I'm have a little nice... uncomfortable with that. Well, they have the nice added effect of um, if anything bad happens from the inside, um... It won't leak out. You understand? If you say so, you're the boss. Let's do this. Get some crowbars or Just something. Just make like a Faraday cage. Well, <laughs> you go to grab a crowbar and Adelaide's like, oh, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Boris, I'm going to need you for this part, okay? Will I be the one opening the box? No, uh, you have mage hand, correct? I do. You are a wizard, correct? I am a trainee wizard. That's what I thought. I'm going to need you to use mage hand to pull each of the nails out from the top of the box. Okay? Alright then. So make me like a dex check. Nine. You start pulling these nails out from the top of this crate with Mage Hand, and as you do, your Mage Hand looks very shaky. It has been a long day. And there's a couple of moments where Aldalar kind of has that sharp intake of breath of like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Boris is really trying hard to think back to the. These were pretty. These were like. This was like Wizard 101. Yeah. And it's quite a while now, and unless you keep up on your notes. <laughs> but you're able to pull all the, the nails free from the top, and uh, Aldalar turns to Chirp and he says, Okay, Chirp, this is what I'm going to need from you. Okay, you ready? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're going to use your thieves' tools and okay. slowly pry the top of slowly? that open. Yes. Slowly pry? Slowly yes. Slowly pry it. And. Check for any sort of traps, tripwires. Yes. Okay. Okay. Do it. Yep. 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 Slide up yet? Yep. Oh! <laughs> I failed. I failed. I'm a failure. What'd you roll? A one. Oh, no. That was a no, hell of a fail. That's the second big fail. In the okay. No. So, yeah, you might want to stop using that dice. <laughs> oh, it used to be so good for me. So you start to try to slowly peel the top of this crate open and as you do you nervously overcorrect and just blast the top of this crate off yeah yeah and as you do i'm gonna need you to make a deck save 26 if only if only swifty was here right now to go good job person (laughs) (laughs) as the top of this 
crate comes flying off. You're able to react quickly enough to throw yourself backwards, but some of the feathers on the front of your chest get a little oh, singed oh, as you're doing around my it because my badge. Uh, your badge gets really hot, but it doesn't. Okay, but I mean, but, but now, now I have to hide it. Yeah, because you're a bit singed. Aww. You take eight damage as you're able to push yourself away from this crate as a plume of fire just comes shooting out of the top of it really quick and then stops. And Aldalaris uh, says, well, that's not quite what I meant, but it worked. Are you all right? You're paying me extra for this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I will, yes. Boris yes. is snuck over slightly to the table with the weird shit book on it and is just kind of <laughs> carefully leafing through it very slowly. <laughs> Chirp, as you and Aldalar peek over the edge of this crate and look into it, the two of you see a orb of what appears at first to just be possibly glass. It's perfectly see-through. It's almost invisible in the crate that it's in. The inside of the crate has been painted black. And because of how purely see-through it is, it you could barely just make out the outline of it. Aldalar goes to reach into the crate to grab it and stops himself and says, looks at you and says, okay, um, stand back a little bit. In case this does anything else, all right? Yes, sir. I'll, I'll take this one. I'm back. And he slowly reaches his hand in, and as he makes contact with this orb, he says, "It's it's really cold," and it flashes a bright white light, and Aldalar disappears. That's a wrap, people.